Welcome, everybody, to another episode of A Way Forward. My name is Gabriel. And this is Steve. And we are going to continue the conversation about masculinity. There we go. Now that we've figured out our technical difficulties, let's rehash what we were saying about 10 minutes ago. Okay. When we started this off. You wanted to say something that you hadn't said the last time about your example of masculinity. What you saw. What I saw as far as growing up. Yeah. As your oh, dad. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we were talking about how um, my dad uh, growing up was a very um, stereotypical dad for the day. Okay. This was back in the 80s. And so thank Mike Brady and the Brady Bunch. Thank, um, you know, I don't know, father goes best, if, knows best if you go back that far or whatever. But <clears throat> with the dad who worked from 630 till 630, um, came home exhausted. He was a workaholic. But, mm. he, but for him you know, he was just trying to provide for his family. And so, you know, I had a good childhood and my, my dad was always good to me, but I never really, uh, remember connecting with my dad emotionally. I did with my mom, but not my dad. And don't recall my dad telling me he loved me until I was 18. Um, you know, those things that we hear supposed, supposed to be the norm these days, there was no sex talk with, you know, son and dad and um, all those different things. And so it was, you know, I had to kind of learn the whole emotional manhood part on my own. And uh, growing up, I was 14 in 1980. And growing up during that time period, um, you know, you saw all sorts of models of the tough guy, masculine male, um, and very little of the guy that was... Uh, willing to cry and express himself on an emotional level, unless it was in a comedic way. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I get that. Yeah. So in a way that's like uh, almost self deprecating. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, something that I wanted to look up the name of the guy because I couldn't remember it earlier today, but, uh, shepherd bliss coined the term toxic masculinity right. in the, uh, early to mid eighties. Yeah. Uh, with the mythopoetic movement, it was uh, the idea that he had was that men had been become so separated from their emotions right. that they had become overly compensated in dominance right. because that was how they could. That was the only quote unquote way to express their masculinity, express themselves as as people. And you heard the term you would hear all the time, right, up to the eighties when it started to change because it did affect a lot of the ways that we think right. about masculinity, but you used to hear things like suck it up, buttercup, you know, mm -hmm. strap, let, strap up your, what was it? Uh, your bootstraps. Yeah. But I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, get, put your big boy pants on, put your big boy pants on. Stop yeah. crying. You're not supposed to cry. Oh yeah. Yeah. All that, all that sort of thing. And uh, I don't know the one piece that I would disagree is him saying that we, we grew out of touch with that emotional edge. No, I don't think that emotional edge was ever there. Um, I mean, it was there, really? but it was never, yeah. I mean, think of a time period where men are known for expressing their emotion. I mean, did that happen in the old West? Did that happen during the depression? Did that happen? in you know, no, I mean, um, guys were at least in the history of America, as we know it, you know, guys were supposed to be tough and, and the providers and, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I guess that's true then. Yeah. I mean, it, it, maybe it just didn't have a name until 1980. Well, and I something. think that's the case. That's and, probably true. And, but I think it's like with, um, if I can, you know, bring in racism, it's like with racism, it's mm -hmm. like with, um, all sorts of different things. There were a lot of things that in the, well, for me in the 50s, 60s and 70s that were considered the norm. Mm. Okay. Um, but that needed to change. And so in this, and, and still need to needs to change. Um, and that, that toxic masculinity, I think there's still a lot of people that still live in that. And, um, yeah, I could definitely and, and definitely, you know, in racism and stuff. And those are some, those are some toxic attitudes that are in our culture that need to go away. And, but because they didn't just become that way overnight, it takes a long time for to, to drive them out. So I can agree to that. You know, uh, something that I was thinking about 
in preparation for this is like when would toxic masculinity really have started to show itself? Right. And I think that you can go all the way back to Genesis chapter two or three where Adam said, the woman you gave me. Yeah. Right. Because we could, I think today, I, I think before we go into that part, why don't we each give a, a description of what we would believe a healthy, healthier man would be. Now, I'll, I'll go first because I'm the one who thought about it. You can have a moment to think. About you it. may go first. <laughs> um, a healthy man to me is a man that takes responsibility, who creates something, who cultivates that same thing, family, work, business, whatever. Podcast would be another good example. Uh, who protects, who provides, and who procreates. There's a very basic uh, description of a man, but in essence, he takes responsibility. He operates with the idea that this must improve an aspect of what I've created. Cultivating, right? Believe that men uh, have four different sides to them. Uh, I get this from the Authentic Manhood series, uh, 33 of the series, which has been around for quite a while. It's wonderful. If you don't know what it is, just check it out. They say that men have four faces, king, warrior, lover, friend, and that they're all equal in importance and should all be equally portrayed in their specific situations. That's my definition of a man in a very basic sense. Well, I, I don't know that I have issue with any of those except to say that I don't think you have to have all of those to be considered manly. We can talk about that because I disagree. I think you need all of them. Really? Mm-hmm. And so what do you do with a man that can't have children? I couldn't have children for quite a while. And now, if it's a genetic thing. Right. 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 And, uh, and you cannot procreate. Right. I understand that in that sense. Yeah, I guess you would. Thank you for helping me understand differently. Yeah, that that's... That's my only concern slash thought hmm. about when we try to define masculinity because it's it's like trying to find what does a family look like, okay? So we'd all have our definition of a family, and yet, you know, for sure, what, 40, 50 years ago, yeah. a family was, was considered a mother, father, and, you know, 1.5 children. And that even that was considered a joke, you know, 1.5 children. Yeah. But, but, and then we began to see, well, okay, what about if, if the mom and dad have been divorced? So you have a single mom with kids or a single dad with kids. Is that not a family? And then you can go further with that. And, and so that to me, you got to be a little bit careful. And, but it challenged, that challenges me to then what does it mean to be a man? I don't, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, Steve, thank you for challenging me because I feel like that's a way to test your theories, right? Is uh, to be criticized. But I still think that procreate applies to a guy who cannot traditionally procreate. You know, there are plenty of kids out there who have uh, a need to be adopted and to be brought into a family. That's one way you can procreate. Now, so, maybe not traditionally. You're not making a child out of your own blood, but maybe. So, but didn't Paul say that that if you can't control your lust, then marry. But really, the better way is to be single so you can focus on God. That's a paraphrase. So what do you do with that? I suppose that could uh, apply to a homosexual man. Gosh, man, this is wonderful. Does it have to? I mean... No. Yeah. But I think that there's a wonderful opportunity for a man who happens to be homosexual to have that life of celibacy, I guess is the best way to say it. To have a... I'd follow a gay guy who was so close to God that you could see those fruits of that labor. So, and I know I'm putting you on the spot. So you think it only appro- applies to a homosexual male? No, obviously not. I yeah. think that the Catholics had an, had an interesting idea for mm-hmm. uh, men being alone because the disciples didn't have wives during their time. It's said that's the belief. I don't know the truth. I haven't looked into that part. Much. I thought you were there, sir. Okay. You know what I could have been, and I'm studying the old and new testaments, but Yes. I don't think that I haven't heard ever any real proof that these disciples had wives with them. I really, I just haven't. Yeah. But the point that we're making is that now that it's me, I'm going to have to go back and look at it. Um, I think that those are the basic tenets of a man. Well, once I, you go through them again, let's take them one at a time and just yeah, kind of without me just being 
the endless devil's advocate, I mean, let's just consider them. I'm happy to do that. So what did you have? What, what did you say first? So we talked about procreating. Mm-hmm. I would also say providing provision is a way that is a marker of a man, how he provides for those that he has with him. Do you think that that is a attribute only of a man? No, I believe that women can obviously do that. Right. But you would also probably say they're a little more masculine. What about, what about stay home dads? No, they're obviously providing because if they're stay at home and dad, that implies that they have a child. Okay. All right. And if they're a single man, they're still providing for themselves. Right. right. Ultimately. Right. Right. I thought it was going. So that's procreate and provision uh, and then protect. You got to have something to protect if you're a guy. Mm-hmm. I think that that is also a marker of a man. Yeah. To answer your first question to the one for provision. No, women can also have something to protect, obviously. But uh, I think that we as men, something speaks to us when we have, a thing to protect, whether that's a woman, a child, a job, mm-hmm. a car. Gosh, man, guys can get so in love with their cars. Right. But yeah. Well, and I, I think, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to get us off topic and, you know, shut down the whole discussion of, I mean, yeah, I think there, there, there are men and women and they are, they do have different responsibilities. Um, and I think that, um, that when I think that some of the, well, I got to be careful. I think, I think I believe this. Okay. When you talk in terms of a single dad or a single mom, there are all, are all types of examples of where the mom has to put the dad's hat on and the mom's hat on or vice versa with the dad. Sure. And I respect incredibly people that find themselves in that situation because that to me seems like an impossible task. And yet there are so many men and women that I respect that, that do that, that wear those hats and do the best they can because otherwise, you know, their son or daughter wouldn't have a relationship, you know, it wouldn't get what you get typically from a mom and dad. And so, you know, um, there are all sorts of challenges, but I just want to make sure that it's clear that I definitely think that, you know, men were supposed to be men and women are supposed to be women. And they have a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of differences, too, in, in the roles. And um, I'm trying to hunt it real quick while we're talking. Well, while you are. As I stall. But um, but I, I think that one of the things you talked about, um, Genesis, okay? Yeah. And I think when you when you look at um, the creation story in the fall, and then when Jesus when Jesus when God goes through and kind of hands out punishments mm-hmm. for you know eating the apple and to the man and the woman, yep. um, you know He goes through and and you definitely see in verse three, starting in verse sixteen, then He said to the woman, "I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy." And in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, and he will rule over you. Mm. And so you definitely men men can have children. I'm just sorry they they can't. No, we can't procreate. Man, could you imagine? No, I I will say this. Um, I've said before that if I ever get a kidney stone, I probably will not continue my life at that point because I can't take that kind of pain. I can't imagine trying to have a child. So. Yes. So uh, if, if you're expecting for the manly man from me, you may not get it when it comes to talking about that. <laughs> also, if you bring snakes into it, you will also see a side of me that I'm not always proud of. But, We're out of there, buddy. But definitely in Genesis, you see that. And then when um, in 17, God says to, uh, to Adam and to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your, and this is fascinating to think about the implications of really this is. verse, but um, the ground, the ground is cursed. Sorry, my thing keeps buzzing out. I love technology. The, I uh, know, don't you just, um, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you eat of its grains by the sweat of your brow, will you have a, a, have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. In other words, we're always going to struggle. We're going to try to find our identity through our work and pour our lives into it and never find the fulfillment that we think 
that we will or should find from it. And with the curse on the women, woman, he talks about the hostility between the, the man and the woman and kind of the same thing that women, our spouses, our wives will always look to us for something that they will never truly find because yeah. the only place, the only place men are going to find that peace is through God. The only place women are going to find that peace is through God. And, um, but both of those cases, you see how God begins from the very beginning, laying out the differences in men and women. And I think that that's super important to, to really understand. And for those of you who aren't Christian, I know that we're using the Bible to show the differences between man and woman. But even if you don't believe in what the Bible says, this is something that I meditated on pretty hard is how I can talk to you specifically. I would say that if you sit back and you look, take God out of that equation and you just talk about how a man who was supposed to not eat out of a tree ended up eating out of a tree because his wife was de- uh, deceived by a serpent, right? which in itself is kind of mystic and silly. But for whatever reason, she was deceived into eating this piece of fruit and then you ate it with her. Would that not imply that the man still failed? Right. Even without God in the picture. Because that would also say that there was a right and wrong, and we knew, and we willingly chose to fail that. So when we look at the aspect of this story, or not the aspect of the story, when we look at the story from an outsider's perspective, we can see probably where that enmity uh, became a reality for us. Right. And where we as men started to behave in a way that was unintended. Yeah. And ended up leading the rest of the world uh, into the kind of failure that it has, that it experiences today. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I totally, I totally agree that, that um, men tend to when we don't accept our role or responsibility. See, my only thing though is there's just so much of this that I just think this is true of men and women. That when men try to we don't accept our responsibility within our family. What happens? Um, then the whole thing starts to crumble. Every time. You know? Yep. And it doesn't just affect us and 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 I will be the scriptural guy. Um, simply because that's what that's what has framed my life. Okay, fair enough. So when in the Old Testament it talks about the sin of the you know generation, the generational sin. I mean, I've seen that. Even if I wasn't a Christian, I would have to say I've seen that in, in you know, when you see a father who doesn't step up and be the person that he needs to be, the the father that he needs to be, that that affects the son, that affects the daughter, that that affects the way that they then parent their kids and so forth and so on. And so to, to, to try to paint a picture that there aren't clearly formed personhoods, personhoods. Does that, does that work? I mean, Keep talking, we'll see if we can change the word. Yeah. It's, it's more of a, just look at a, a, a man and a woman and stand them side by side. And there are going to be differences there. Obviously, visually. Yeah, visually. Audibly, their voices are different. So at the very least, well, the fact that one has Adam's apple, one doesn't. Most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. And so just thinking in those terms, to think that then those roles are interchangeable, I think that there's some real just basic common sense issues with that. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I think that, um, that when we look at Scripture... And we think in terms of Christian men, you definitely have to think in those terms. But even then, if I may, I still think the foundation is not the different scriptures that show different men. And, you know, they're not the different scriptures that talk about the role of the husband or the role of the the wife or anything like that. There is or is not. uh, That's not the, to me, that's not the foundation for the way we're supposed to behave as men. Oh, interesting. The foundation okay. for me goes back to what Jesus referred to as the greatest commandment. Love and okay. yeah, teacher, uh, Matthew 22, 36 through 40, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus re- replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, 
all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Mm. And so for me, that that is is the biggest piece that governs me as a husband or as a father that I need to, to show, you know, I'll just say that in the morning when I pray for my wife, my prayer is, Lord, help me to love her like you love her. Knowing I will never accomplish that, but that's my goal. I want to love her and be love her more than I love myself. And and that's the way I think that Jesus has has laid out for all of us to be with really all people. With the is, world, yeah, if that's yeah. the foundational yeah. two commandments. Yeah. Love God first and then love others as you would love yourself. That's right. If you just start there, I mean, forget all of the debate about, you know, Ephesians where it talks about husbands, you know, and 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 wives and forget all about that debate. Just start with the greatest commandment and that will have such an impact on your marriage and on your life overall cuz you'll find your value from God who you love with all that you are. And then you'll you'll do all you can to have the self-sacrificial love with your husband or wife. That's right. That can be transforming. I, I 100% agree. Yeah, I was thinking in this morning as I was preparing to be here that every scripture that came after what Jesus said about those first commandments, those are the most important. Yeah. Everything that came afterward has to be looked at in the light of that scripture. It's built on that. Yeah. It's all built on that foundation. Just like the church was built on Peter, this, whatever manhood is, has to be looked at through those two scriptures. Right. So when you look at the Ephesians and it says, men, do this, you do that with loving God first. God, how would you have me do this? When it says women submit to your husbands. God, how would you have me be submissive? Yes, you've got to look at that in light of this greatest commandment. That's right. That's not an order to women, you do that. That is simply saying that if your husband is treating you as you're supposed to be be treated, That's right. then accept that love, accept mm-hmm. that guidance and all those different things. And that, you know, when it talks about men and the way that we're supposed to be, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, you can't get much more self-sacrificial than that don't know. than Christ who gave his life for the church. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, Jesus was the, he's the perfect man. Yeah. He was the only man to not sin, to be perfect. The only one that we could look at. And he wasn't, wasn't even all the way man. He yeah. was also God. Yeah. Equally and at the same time. And, and if we can spin off now, if it's okay. Let's do it. To, to some of our audience that may not buy all of this stuff in scripture. And, Please, we and want to talk to you too. That's all cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I've been in that place too. And that's not a problem. Um. That's the challenge because really there, you know, how many, how many non Christian themed books could we find out there on marriage? And every one okay, of them look are, are a huge number of them are going to be different. And so if, you know, for me, I feel like I've got some guidance in the way I need to be. But if if you don't accept any of this in the Bible or Christianity, then you're kind of out there to kind of float on your own. And, you know, to me, marriage was built on this idea of love your neighbor as yourself, love God. If you remove that, then you're really gonna you're you, then I mean it's not possible, but you're gonna really struggle to make mar- a, a marriage work in the way that at least I think many people would want it to work. I can agree to that. Yeah. yeah. So when I googled books on manhood, uh, yes, there were 14 million results. Good luck with that. Yeah. So I'm not saying that there are 14 million books. What I'm saying is even one percent of that would be 140 thousand. Right. So I mean, so. I, there's too much information out there trying to tell you how to be a man, but let's take God out of the equation again. Yeah. Because this is how I lived my life for such a long time. Right. And I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to challenge you as a man, if you're listening and you don't believe in God, do you believe that it is wrong to say that I, as a man need to put others before me? 
I, as a man, need to love my wife sacrificially. I, as a man, need to love my children sacrificially. And by that, you could say things as simple as a sacrifice can look like I will sacrifice 10 hours of my day to earn enough money to pay the rent, mortgage, to pay the bills, to feed my family. Is that not a good thing? Is it also not a good thing to have friends that you care for? Is it also not a good thing to take care of yourself, to smile and to laugh? If you think that those are bad things, I would really like to have a conversation with you because I want to understand where you come from. Otherwise, you can't argue with that. And there's even scripture that says it. So I'm not saying that that's proof of God, but what I'm saying is that it has validity. The foundation of it is still the same. Well, the, the, to me, you just find yourself between a rock and a hard place. How so? Because not, this isn't against what you're saying. This is, if you remove God from the equation, okay. then you've also, in my opinion, you've got to remove God's morality from the equation. Um, yeah. And if you remove God's morality from the equation, then who's to say that you can't have multiple mistresses? You know, who's to say you can't have multiple wives? Who's to say that you can't, you know, um, just have a relationship with, with who? And every piece of that makes it more and more difficult than within your marriage. You, when you remove the rules, are the quote unquote rules, okay, then it makes it more and more difficult for you to then even be able to justify marriage to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, that's why I come back to, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, I would much rather be where I'm at than be a person out there without any rules, without any morality trying to figure out this life on my own. It's interesting. Yeah. Some of those questions, I'm going to have to think about those, but all right, man. So we talked about the three P's now. Yes. To go back to dissecting each one of these things that I mentioned earlier. Yes. The four faces are now here, right? I think that we can understand the responsibility is also not gender specific, but it's a good marker is taking responsibility. Um, Specifically though, the King face. Right. So how can we look at the king face? What kind of questions would you have about the king face? Because we were asking about, we were taking each one of these things and breaking them down. Right. So what kind of questions would you have about being a man being a king, having to be? Oh, about having to be a king? Not having to be. About that being a marker of a man. That is probably one that I don't know that I would disagree with. That, you know... um, you're talking about uh, a man leading his family. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or leading his environment. Yeah. Leading his environment. Um, now environment's a different story because if we're talking about a workplace, let's, just, let's talk about a workplace. Okay. I think that, that women can be bosses and leaders. Obviously. Yeah. And do just as fine. Yeah. And so I think within that context, I don't know that I would, say that men have to wear this hat and women have to wear this hat. Okay. Fair With, enough. Yeah. Within, yeah. within the marital relationships within the family, I do think so. And, and, and a piece of that is because there are multiple examples, whether we want to accept them or not, hmm. there are at least two major examples in scripture of times uh, when there was no man willing to stand up. Esther. And um, Deborah. And accept the job and lead a nation. Mm -hmm. And God put a woman in that, in that position and unapologetically. That's right. Yeah. No, he didn't care. Yeah. You don't want to do it. Fine. This is what it looks like. That's right. That's right. There, there's, it wasn't bad. Yeah. There's also, um, oh man, I have to, to look it up. It's in, I believe second Chronicles, one of the Chronicles, but the story about a, um, a female prophet. And so, Back in the Old Testament, every king of Israel normally had a prophet that spoke on behalf of God, okay? Okay. And had the king's ear always, okay? And um, and so typically you're going to see 
men in those roles, but there, there's an example of one where there's a woman who's a, who's a prophetess and calls out the man. And so, and, and without apologetic uh, apology and without explanation, (laughs) God's known for that. Yeah. And so you've got to go back to that same thing then that, and I'll even go here. We don't have to get into this right now. Okay. Okay. But I even think you have to take New Testament scripture in light of these verses. In light of the old? And in, in light of the, the old and in the old. And so if you can look at see Paul when he's talking to women and talking about women being silent. Okay. And yeah. um yeah. And so there are many of us who believe that's a cultural statement that that is because of the uh, culture in Corinth at the time. And that's that why he's automatically saying that way. Where I go. But it is not a, a one explanation catches all. And therefore all women must remain silent in the church. And that's where today's church has taken it. Okay. It's to the point where there was a Senator here in Texas, not a Senator, um, a mayor or a Congressman, something like that, mm-hmm. who said, yeah, we can do this thing. It was some event and I can't remember what it was, but he said, I will not have a woman speaking for me though. Yeah. And, and so I would take Baptist. those new, those new Testament scriptures where it talks about the, the wall of a role of a woman or where it talks about men do this and say that maybe, maybe that's just the context that Paul was using because he was talking to men. Or that Timothy, you know, or whoever it was, was using because that's where the conversation was going or that's what was going on in the town. But if we look at Scripture as a whole, it can't be one rule for all circumstances because otherwise, why would God have raised up um, kings, or not kings, but leaders, queens, prophets, um, judges who were women to stand in that leadership role? I get where you're coming from. Yeah. And I agree. I understand. I'm talking about when it comes to leadership. I'm not still saying in, we're talking about marriage. We're talking about family that. This is, we're talking specifically about kingship, right? Yeah. We're talking about kingship beyond the family. That's right. So the question that I would have for you in light of that. Love it. Is fine. Okay. But if all scripture is God breathed and God inspired. Exactly. How does this one not contradict in light of the old. This one, what the scripture about women should stay silent. Now, like you can look at it from all different sorts of angles, but we have to take very seriously that do not kill. So one of the things is, and I actually heard this on the podcast that you gave me prayer Jabez. Oh yeah. Okay. Prayer Jabez. Yeah. And one of the things, uh, they, um, well, they, I guess it's from watermark. Mm-hmm. And a very reputable church. Todd Wagner is a smart guy. One of the things that they've gotten away from is scripture memory when it comes to one verse. They encourage scripture memory more by chapters. Uh, Watermark does. Watermark does. They do. And that's And the reason for that is because, and he specifically said this, is because of context. Because when you have that one verse, you lose context. So when you take that verse about, about, uh, women, not, you know, being in places of leadership or not speaking in certain positions or having to wear head coverings and so forth and so on, that's great. But if you look at the context of the verse, then you've got to consider who the audience was, what was happening in that church. And so all of that stuff to me is no different than, and let me throw this at you than the dozens and dozens of heroes in the faith in the Old Testament who had multiple wives. Hmm. So if we look at Scripture as a whole, why don't we look at the Old Testament and say that many people can have... No, we look at the context, we look at the time period, we look at what was happening, the culture, and that's where we come to say that, no, marriage is one man and one woman. So you've got to look at scripture as a whole and not just grab one thing, one verse and say, well, look at this. David had a hundred wives. So why can't I? Did God say that you could have multiple wives ever in the Bible? No, I don't. Not that I, I recall. But once again, David was, he was a man after God's own heart. 
And, and scripture does, like I said, all of these guys were called heroes of the faith in Hebrews. Mm. And so they were definitely thought of pretty highly. Bro, we could talk about theology sometime. Yeah. Because yeah. there were so many questions that popped in my head just now. Yeah. And so, and so understand what I'm saying. I'm not going crazy here. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm just it. saying it's so important to look at context and look at scripture as a whole when we're forming these ideas and attitudes. And, and this goes back to what we've talked about before. We try to make there an incredible amount of stuff about scripture is black and white. Well, that's what it says. And so can't be. It, there's a whole lot more gray than we give credit to. And, and if I we think just that's wish, representative, I know, I'm sorry, I didn't no, mean to ahead, cut you off, ahead, but man. I think that the gray area is representative of, um, allowing perception to come into play Yeah, because we're each. So this is something that kind of blew my mind when I was really young in my Christianity. So about three years ago, I had a really profound thought. It was profound to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but, I, um, I understand. It was a big deal for me because as, as I was sitting down, I thought, you know, if God has the ability to create each of us unique, none of us have the same fingerprints. Twins, maybe. They're really close, but they're not exactly the same. They're not exactly the same genetically either. Right. They're pretty close though. Right. But you can find the separators. Not one human being is created the same way. Would it not? Right. And if God made everybody unique, specific to the way that he thought them, right? Is Does it not stand to reason that he understands exactly how to speak to you? Right. So that's where your perception of it, I don't think in, I don't believe in find your truth because I don't right. think that that is good because right. there is an absolute truth. Yes, absolutely. 100% absolute truth. And I think that Christianity proves that, shows that. Proves is a strong word. Shows that. I think that God is the truth, the way, the truth, the light. Right. But your perception of it and how you understand it should be yours. The problem that has come with Christianity is perversion. Is Christianity today is cultural Christianity. We have we have become lazy Bible studiers. I don't understand. And so what I'm trying to say is is what we have done is we pick and choose. We don't study in context. We and, and so because of that, we don't see scripture as the whole like we should. You're talking about in terms like an example that popped in my head is you were talking about Westboro Baptist. Very specific about gays are evil and all gay allowances should be dead and blah blah blah. They like yeah, you know, they protest um military funerals. I saw them do it to a friend of mine. Yeah. And her her family as they um mourned the loss of their husband, one of my good friends. Uh, Westboro Baptist Church focuses on homosexuality. <clears throat> I don't can't think of another church that focuses on something else. There's a church out down in somewhere in the South that focuses specifically on the Second Amendment. Right. And they only use certain scripture. They don't preach any other message. Right. It's the only one that they <laughs> preach. Right. So are you talking about like in that light? Well, yeah, to an extent. I, I'm, I'm talking about the idea of just the differences in different churches. Okay. Okay. And I'm trying to talk into what you're, what you're saying also. Now, now for me, there's not a whole lot about worship Baptist that I want to say has anything to do with Christianity of any sort. Um, but okay. I will say that for instance, my Methodist brothers and sisters who are out there. Okay. Okay. So we dunk when we baptized. We baptize. Yeah. Fully, fully immerse. Yeah. We feel like that's the biblical way to do it. It was a big Sunday this past Sunday. Oh, it was a great, a Huge. great Sunday. Um, if we go, if we, we could have easily gone to one of these Methodist churches that our friends go to. Okay. And seen five baptism also. But what we would have seen is sprinkling, not immersion. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and so does that mean that we're right and they're wrong? No, I believe that it's the attitude behind it, right? I think so. I think it's the attitude behind it. And I think that, that I need to not look down upon my Methodist brothers and sisters because they do it differently because they, they, um, because they read scripture in a little different way. Because they practice the same words in a different way. That's it. That's it. And I think that you can probably back that up in the old Testament when God separated them through Moses into tribes. Right. I think that that's a really good way to 
how did we get to this? I don't know. <laughs> um, we had this whole idea of where we were going to go, but yeah. here we are. Um, well, he, go ahead. Uh, he separated them into what? 12 tribes yeah. in Deuteronomy? Oh, no, that was, this was way back in the end of Genesis. No. Yeah. 12 tribes of Israel? Where'd they come from? The sons of? Isaac. Okay. Not, no, not well, Isaac. Israel, but, right? No, Joseph. I'm, Who was it? Now I'm lost. <laughs> okay. But I'm thinking specifically about when Moses was in the wilderness with them, and he had to separate them into tribes. No, they were already separated. Were they? Yeah. Yeah. They were all separated there. Maybe I'm all, using the wrong word. It's all based on Jacob and his um, and his descendants, Yaco, his son. Gabriel, it was Yaakov. You were just talking about this today so, in class. That's okay. I won't tell your professor, okay? No problem right. with that. You know he's going to be a guest on my podcast. Well, there you go. Um, can we call into that? Myself. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> if you want. There you go. There you go. And so... Um, and so, yeah, that, but I want to take, the, I do want to take this back around to the kingship. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Because what I'm, what I'm trying to say overall with this, I didn't mean to chase rabbits. That's cool. Okay. But what I'm trying to say with this overall is I believe the Bible does have roles for people. Okay. We're told in Romans to, to respect our gov, our, the government, to obey our government because yeah. God's placed them there. Yeah. That's, I'm studying that right now. Okay. As a matter of fact. We are told, um, I mean, you definitely had the role of the king, okay, in the Old Testament that was in place. Slaves okay. are mentioned. Uh, slaves are mentioned, um, and you, you just keep on going through the different roles that are that are mentioned in Scripture. And so you have a husband that's mentioned, you have a wife that's mentioned, and all those different things, and children. So there are definitely different roles, okay? Right. To me, the problem, my biggest concern comes with when we try to use those roles to govern or to hold my authority over you. You do what I say. In other words, we're the government. Mm -hmm. You got to do what we say. If you don't do what what we say, then you're against God's law. For me, that's not true. I don't think that's true. That's right, because there is a point where God expects us to stand up against, okay? That's true. Exactly. And there's lots of examples of that. Jethro, right. the, the, the fall of Jericho. Right. There are a, a ton of examples of that, okay, in Scripture. And so the same thing. Is the husband supposed to be the head of the household? I think you could see Scripture say that, and I think the biggest reason someone is supposed to lead and God laid out, I believe, from Adam that that God was, you know, that God laid that out. Okay. At the same time, does that give the husband the right to beat to, to beat the no. kids? Because know? again, this goes back to that's right the first two commandments that Jesus gave us. That's right. right. And so I think you've got to to look at you know it, it could even go Gabriel to this is the case in a lot of marriages today where the husband okay. does not step up and lead like he's supposed to. And in many, in many ways, just kind of floats by mm. because it's an easier life. Let his wife take care of things. And then that, you know, for him, well, that way I don't have to argue with her. She'll do it. You know, Bro, I'm so scared of that happening. Yeah. In my home. And, and you see a lot of, a lot of that in marriages and it causes a tremendous amount of harm long-term. Can. Once again, not just to the marriage, but also to the kids and so forth and so on. Breeds a lot of resentment. Yeah. But what's a wife supposed to do in that role? Got to, just got to step up. Yeah. You know, I think it, it has to happen. Now, Paul also says to pray for your spouse continuously, continuously and to all those different things. But, um, so God puts out roles. Okay. But those roles were never intended to be used to hurt those folks. And when it comes to the point where that happens, then, you know, sometimes, Someone needs to step up and say, you know, no, this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. I agree. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So, so the king, I agree with the king idea. Okay. But that's why I have an issue. <laughs> that's why I have an issue with outside of the marriage and so forth and so on. Because I, I just, I, to me, I don't see that in scripture. I see men mm-hmm. and women both being used by God in different ways, powerful mm-hmm. ways. You see that all in Paul's writings. Especially at the end, when he's you know when he's greeting different people, he talks about different women who are who are business leaders who 
um, basically ran house churches and ran studies and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. You see that all through scripture and the sad, saddest piece, forgive me for my sermon, Gabriel, Sure. but the saddest piece of our culture today is that so much of our preaching is preached from a male sense that we haven't used those examples of strong women in scripture to teach women in the church that God has created you uniquely for some awesome things also. Gosh, it's so sad too. Like yeah. that, it's devastating, I believe, even to the home life. I think that, you know, when my when my wife and I first were married, we, we were given access to Right Now Media. Right. Oh, it's a wonderful resource. It is. There's so many things. There's a lot more men's studies out there than there are women's, but right. there are so many powerful women's uh, studies out there. Study Ruth. You study Esther. Mm -hmm. You can study uh, a lot of women lead you through Scripture and Timothy as well, which is kind of ironic in my head, but I really love that. Yes, and I think that it comes back to perspective. You know, a woman's perspective, a feminine touch, as they say, is really important. So this is maybe going off, but one of the things that I do, yeah, that I try that I've tried purposely to do, okay, is to get in touch with viewpoints that are different from mine. And so I have made a point of listening to and studying um, women who are Bible study, like you're talking about mm. people like Beth Moore, um, Christine Kane. Uh, there's, there's a lot of others. I can't think of them all right now, but they, they have an incredible amount of knowledge. So I'll listen to studies from them watch videos from them. Me too. One of my things is I follow them on Twitter because they, you know, there's a lot of wisdom that is shared or insight that's shared that I can pick up from folks. I do the same thing with Tony Evans. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I've tried to do over the past year and a half, I heard at a, at a Christian conference that, um, that there are a lot of black churches that see scripture a little bit different through different eyes than that I might see it because they see it through the eyes of, of uh, slavery and of being captive. And so and I think that's necessary kind of viewed through Moses more than it's viewed through Paul, which is a whole nother subject. Okay. Okay. So what I've done is I, I simply bought Tony Evans study Bible. And once again, if, trying to get different perspectives from folks that aren't just like me. Mm. And, um, and so I think that that's what we should be striving to do. Not, you know, well, I'm only going to listen to a man and I'm only going to listen to a man, man who's Baptist speaking as a Baptist minister, uh, ordained Baptist minister that I am. Cool. I'm only going to listen to Baptist and I'm only going to listen to conservative Baptist men. And I'm only going to, to, to listen to conservative Baptist men that I know you know, oh my gosh, how much of a wealth of knowledge that the Holy Spirit brings to all Christians that we miss if we just look through the eyes of through one view. So. You know, there's a there's a challenge to that idea, and that is that one is right and the other is wrong, right? I believe, excuse me, I believe personally that you need different perspectives. <clears throat> yes but that you're never, ever going to get it right. Yes. I really don't think you're ever going to have it 100% right. Right. Exactly the way God had intended it. And I think that there's a method to that madness. Yeah. I believe that, and God tells us in Scripture, in a book that a lot of people don't like to read, and that's Revelation, or even Jude. Right. And because uh, they're right next to each other. It's not perfect. And it won't be. Right. And God's going to come, and he's going to fix that. Well, and what's... I know that you're a, that you like to grill. Grill? Grill. You mean talking about like steak? Yeah. Like yeah, meat? I love barbecue. Okay. So what do you do when you cook steak? What do I do? Yeah. I season it. There you go. And, and to me, the saddest cases are when you take a piece of meat and you just take that piece of meat and it can be the best piece of meat out there and you slap it on the grill and it, it may taste good. But man, add some seasonings to it, some different flavors to it, and get those flavors to, you know, marinate that and let those flavors blend. 
and you'll have a much better piece of meat than if you just put a piece of meat on a grill. And that kind of, that's kind of what I'm saying with this is when you, when you, it's like you're getting different spices Mm. when you go and you look from different angles and, and yeah, just your one frame of mind. Okay. You'll, you'll, you'll get some stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you look through other folks eyes and see what they think and get their ideas, it's never going to be perfect, but I think you're going to make your life much more sweeter by doing that. So a lot, a lot more seasoned. Can I close, close on one? You absolutely can. I was just going to tell you, we've been doing this for several minutes. We have. So, so this is, and I'm sorry, but this goes back to the Bible because I just thought of it when we were um, talking about uh, Paul in Acts 17. Fire away. He he is, he is uh, preaching to a city that um, in Athens where, man, you had, it was like a melting pot of different religions. And in Athens, was it really? Yeah, it was a melting pot. And so he comes to this place where, um, where he's preaching to a bunch of different uh, philosophers and, and, and Athens, they even went to the extent of having a, they had all of these statues for different gods. Okay. And then they even had a, a, a concrete slab and it was that slab was in honor of the unknown God. So they, they tried to cover every base possible. They didn't want to offend anyone, even one they did they didn't know about. I really respect that. And Paul said, "Why don't you, you know, Athenians? I, I I follow you. I respect what you're saying, but that one unknown God could very well be Jehovah God. Why don't you give him a chance? Yahweh Elohim, and you will see that he is more than any of these other ones. When you go out there, and you're married, or you're a father, and you look at 144,000 different." books telling you different things about how man you can go that route you can cover all your bases or man you can give god a chance and and see what he has to say and what he can bring to your life and to your marriage and to your relationships man give him a chance and i think you will see um a transforming sense to your life that you never knew was possible um following any of those other guys that Mm. are out there. Very interesting, man. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think that that is an excellent place to end it. And we'll see what we talk about next time. Because we wanted to come here and talk about a foundation. And I think we did. Yeah. To an extent. Well, we said this was going to be a 33-part series. (laughs) (laughs) We did say it was going to be a while before we finished on this topic of masculinity, period. Um, And this has just been, this is a joy. So... I'm really looking forward to what happens the next time that we get together, Steve. Yeah. We'll this see. is going to be awesome, man. There you go. Uh, for all of you out there who are listening, um, if you'd like to keep hearing what, what we're doing, the best way to do that is just to subscribe to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to this through our Facebook page, share that with your friends, get some more guys involved. Uh, we'll be on pretty much every platform that you can imagine where you get your, your podcast from Apple, Spotify, you whatever. will find us whether you want to or not. We'll be there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, subscribe to the show, give us a review, tell us how we're doing. And, uh, I guess that's it, man. All yeah. right. Share it with your friends too. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you. Doing Thank this, you, man. Gabe. You guys take care out there. Have a good one guys. Bye.